Welcome back, people of the internet, to the Quantum Podcast. My name is Ethan Morland, and I aim to speak to high performers and high performance practitioners about the hows and the whys behind what they do and break it down with them. I think now we're on episode 17, which is crazy because, to be honest, I didn't think I'd get past 10. Started this with every intention of doing as many episodes as possible, and to be honest, I was going to do 10, and that would be season one, and then move on, but been on quite a roll and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you everyone who has watched or listened wherever you have. Um, I really appreciate it. We are now in over 32, 32, over 32 countries now, which is insane. I never thought people from so many countries would actually be interested or give a shit about what I have to say. So thank you everyone, really appreciate it. But today's episode, I sit down with someone who's very, very interesting. His name is Hugh Nightingale. He is a Team GB Olympic snowboarder in the snowboard cross event. And this conversation is such a good one. Um, We got into the ins and outs of what snowboard cross is, how he got into it, how a kid from Bolton ended up representing Team GB in the snowboard cross event. Because obviously being from the UK, we're not renowned for our snow. We're not renowned for any good weather, to be honest. And you'll hear the story of how he got into such an incredible sport and how he managed to get himself onto the biggest stage on the planet being at the Olympics at just 21 years old, which is crazy. Throughout the episode, we speak about his desire to go on and win medals and win championships, some of the places he's managed to travel to as a result of um, his career so far, the job he did previously only up until one year ago, and also how the funding works as well because obviously some people are very interested in how athletes are funded and Hugh sort of goes into this and it's really interesting to hear it from someone firsthand. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Hugh. He's a, he's a great guy, got a massive career ahead of him um, and I wish him all the best with everything he's got coming up, all the competitions and stuff. So remember to check his stuff out in the link in the description and also check out everything to do with the podcast there also. And you can, if you could, please like, subscribe, share the podcast with anyone who may be interested. Recently, we've had a massive run of um, increasing in viewers, best few weeks, what have you. So really, really happy with the progress. So if you could keep doing that, I'd really appreciate it. And and yeah, I hope you enjoy this podcast with Hugh Nightingale. To start off with, I kind of want to bring it back to the very beginning. So like where was it you grew up obviously being in a sport like snowboarding and at the level you are now because it's pretty hard to do that from you know the uk sort of thing yeah so i'm originally from bolton um uh, and we always used to go on holidays skiing skiing holidays with all the family so we used to go to meyerhofen in austria or kitzbühel and i started off skiing but was never really a big fan of it so then when we when we then moved to Austria, um, I really wanted to get into snowboarding. So that's when I like properly started snowboarding, and then I was I was about five years old when I started. So since then, I've just never stopped. So, why did your family move to Austria? Well, my dad uh, just loved it so much that he just wanted to move out here for for all the t- for the whole time. So then he. Yeah, I sold all these pubs in in Bolton and then made it happen. Bloody hell! So what what did he end up doing out there then? 
so we bought a like B and B breakfast um, in a village called Westendorf, and he's uh, still got that. So it's pretty. It's going pretty well. I mean, it's pretty, not bad to do that. Sell your pubs, move to move to Austria, be like right near the mountains and stuff. Yeah. So. Because you don't have like a, you know, usually when kids move like abroad, when they're young, they end up with an accent or, you know, like a twang of both places. And you do sound like you're a proper northerner. Yeah. So did you spend a lot of time going back and to, did you? Um, not really. I've just never kind of lost the accent because I speak um, quite a lot of English through the winter season. So I never get rid of the accent. But when when I speak Austrian, the the don't know that I'm English so it's kind of it's quite funny when I've got like two accents in two different languages that's pretty mad did you find it hard to learn Austrian when you were younger um what what I remember it wasn't too bad because I kind of went straight into school and then you know you kind of had to learn it then um but like going through the years I remember it just being like just not knowing some words and stuff like that and having to ask like oh what's that mean and stuff like that but it was it was difficult but it I, I got by basically it wasn't like I was struggling mad yeah wasn't an issue so growing up in Austria what what is that like because to me that's an absolute dream like being by the mountains every day and you know it's like everything's just sort of your playground as a kid then isn't it like it's completely different from the UK yeah, it's so much different. Like you, you get home from school, and school here finishes at twelve, one o'clock. So then you like just put on your put on your jacket, put on your snowboard boots, and then you can like go snowboarding straight after school. So that's that's probably like one of the best things about living in Austria. You could just after school go snowboarding or stuff like that, and and it's just great to be great to do that kind of stuff. That is wild. Finishing school at 12 o'clock, that's every kid's dream, mate. <laughs> like... No, it's pretty, it's pretty good. You do you do have to start at, what, 7.30, but then you finish at 12 o'clock, so it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty decent. Exactly, like, you can't, you can't complain at that. So, you obviously, growing up, did you live by the, the mountains, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, like, literally walked over the fence, um at the house and just was at the mountain straight away so it was like it was a great place to live yeah so as you got a bit older and obviously you you gotten into snowboarding from skiing and you started to get a bit better at what point was it that you were like because obviously you choose you kind of choose a bit don't you between the snowboard cross and then like if you're going for say half pipe or freestyle or what have you there, so what made you decide to go for the the snowboard cross event rather than the others? Well, there were, there's me and a couple of mates that um, we were like this group of snowboarders and we always used to just have fun in the park and just do freestyle, but nothing like serious whatsoever. So then there was this one year where we went to like an Austrian um, masters, so where all the um like half pipe was there slope style slalom and snowball cross and everybody was there and we we did all the events 
and then when it came to snowball cross i did quite well i think i got like came sixth or something and i've never done it before so then i was like quite like this and then um dad like kind of got me into it a bit more and and then that's how it like properly kicked off pretty much so is there a difference between the ball between cross and freestyle because that's one thing i was not sure on yeah but they've got you you have like diff on a normal freestyle board they're just way too soft and not like stiff enough for for snowball cross so we have like a longer longer radius for turns and stuff and a lot stiffer than a normal snowboard um so it makes like big jumps and like big rollers and turns like that a lot easier to to do on a bigger stiffer board yeah because the 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 snow as well is a bit it's not like it's like rock like rock hard isn't it the snow that you're yeah. thinking on so you kind of have to catch an edge perfectly don't you to be able to you know cut the corners and what have you and all that sort of yeah stuff. there's there's sometimes like you'll have some some races where if it's like proper warm weather it'll be a lot it'll be very soft but normally it's like rock solid and you you don't you don't really want to crash from like high speed onto the the rock solid stuff so what's what you sort do of, have to be careful what sort of speeds do you reach when it events? um it depends on what kind of course it is but sometimes we'll be hitting up to about 80 kilometers an hour um or sometimes we'll be hitting up to like an average we'll be hitting maybe like 50 to 60 kilometers an hour over a space of 400 meters of a course or 500 600 meters of a course jesus it's like to to fall on that mate it must hurt yeah. a little bit that but just just to sort of paint a picture as well for those who may not know what is snowball cross because obviously i i know what it is but people who are listening probably don't yeah it's it's basically you ha you basically have all snowboard disciplines in one kinda, so it's you you've got a long course where you have a start section, then you have the rest of the course, and it's four it's four racing against each other out the start, and winner gets down to the whoever gets down to the bottom first wins, and you have jumps or rollers in between turns and stuff like that. It's such like it is such an interesting event because the the sort of the ability to produce force you know like when you're going over a roller use the momentum of it and stuff like that like you have to build some pretty solid legs to be able to do that yeah it, like at the games this year i've never i've never been as tired as at the games because the course was like one and a half seconds and it was just so tired on my legs i just couldn't like i could barely even move when i got to the bottom because it was so tough but yeah, you have to you have to train the legs quite a fair bit to to, be to able endure to get, the, yeah. the stuff. Yeah. So, at what point did it start to become serious for you? Like you were like, I'm gonna make this a living kind of thing. So, it was probably I was probably about sixteen or sixteen, seventeen, um, because I started off uh, a season beforehand, just like seeing if I actually wanted to do it. And then did quite well straight away because I've been snowboarding for such a long time. Um, and then just 
did quite well for that season and then was like, yeah, kind of keep this going. And then each season comes along and the better that you get. And then last year was like the first season that I was able to do World Cups and then went straight to the games. So that was like a crazy feeling that I stuff that I achieved in that amount of time. Um, so then that's when I knew like it's can be Serious. a proper proper yeah. job now. Yeah. So I was going to ask what. So what's the what's the process like for going to the games? Like, do you have to do you have to apply, or do people like come and scout you and go? We think you're good enough for this. So basically, you you're on like the the GB Snow Sports like World Cup team if you're doing the World Cups basically. So you're always with the coach. You're that will take you to the games and stuff. Um. So for for uh, Beijing, you need a criteria, so you have to come to t- you have to come in the top thirty two of the overall men, um, and then you get a spot. Um, so then I got like two top twenty fours, and then was able to go then and then. Um, that's basically how it how you're allowed to go. It's pretty wild. Like, so what age were you when GB Snow Sport? came and approached you to sort of be on the team? Um, I think I was, hold on a bit, I think I was about 18 at the time. Um, and then they, like, I came on to like a couple of camps to, to them to kind of scout me and see how I am. Um, and then they thought I was good enough for, for like the Europa Cup team at the time. So then did Europa Cups and fist level races and then, got enough points to do then World Cup and then went straight onto the World Cup circuit and then did quite well. So it's a pretty like quick rise then in terms of going up the levels. Yeah, like I've I'm probably one of the one of the guys who've been doing it for the least amount of time on the World Cup circuit because I've only been doing border cross for what, six six, seven years now. And I've and this is only the second year that I'm on the World Cups, um, so it's gone quite fast. To be fair, how oh, well, old you're? Twenty one, aren't you? Yeah, I'm twenty one. So a lot of a lot of people start when they're like eleven, ten to do the to do the sport, and I started when I was sixteen. So it was quite a late entry, but because I've been snowboarding for so long, it was kind of it went quite fast. Yeah, because I'm. I'm a kind of snowboarder, right? I'm absolutely fucking terrible. Anything to do with a jump, like get me to get me to do an ollie. I'm all right because I used to skateboard. Get me to do one eighties and stuff, mate. I'm on I'm on my arse straight away. But yeah. the, the speed stuff, I like just building speed and being able to carve. They're like send me out for a month. I'll do that all day. But yeah. like it's just there's something about it. The I think it's just the adrenaline rush of like. You know when you you realize how fast you go and you're like fucking hell this is this is next level something. yeah and then and then you've got to put another three riders next to you going into a turn and it's the the adrenaline when you get it is just amazing and that's 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 why i love it what so when you're when you started competing what was that like for you initially were you like were you just like very high anxiety or were you quite calm with it um, I was quite calm with it because I've kind of 
because it has gone this fast I just knew like oh yeah I can like if it's gone this fast for me now I'm sure it can keep going this fast for the next couple of years so I wasn't I was never like you know I never had anxiety for it I just knew that I could do quite well and even if this year hasn't gone this that well I know that I'm still young and and it can still improve like mad so go into the olympics take me through the whole process of like you know so when you get your kit to then when you like you fly out as a group and then when you get there like what do you do because obviously china's been in lockdown for what three years so how was it being like an olympic games where you couldn't really do much well for me it started off like in summer you basically get thrown into a list of people that can are, or are able to go to, to the Olympics. So then I was thrown into that list and it was, it's kind of very unlikely to make the games if you're on that list. Um, so then I probably had like a one to 5% chance of actually going there. And then when I actually made it, it was like, it was unbelievable because I made it in such a, short period of time and then yeah when when you you don't really realize or you don't get the feeling yet until you wear like the the olympic stuff on or you get the um the like letter that says oh you're going to beijing now and stuff like that so that was like a, a surreal feeling it, it kind of is still surreal to this day um but it's it was proper sick so was it similar to so you know when we saw um the tokyo olympics where athletes were like their teams were in the team hotel they weren't really allowed to do anything you weren't allowed to leave the area kind of and they had like you know like in japan they had those stupid beds didn't they so that they couldn't have anyone else in the room because the bed would break yeah. it was like was yeah. was there any like weird precautions they had in place while you were there um so to go there, I basically had to like not see anybody for like a month and a half because he said if if you're positive a month and a half beforehand, you can't go um, because you had to provide set amount of um, PCR tests and COVID tests like that. So then you, you, you basically couldn't see anybody. We went to the races and we had to like wear masks all the time. We couldn't like even with the team, we couldn't not have a mask on because it was like if somebody's got it and they don't know that they've got it, you know. So then when you get there, you kind of like, you just, you know, to be cautious at that point. So you couldn't, you you weren't really allowed to go to other people, like other teams, um, dorms or whatever like that. Um, and pretty much everybody had their like own building where all the athletes were in. And then you had to get, PCR tests every day um you had to wear a mask everywhere even outdoors and whatever um so then it was it kind of became normality for some point um just wearing a mask all the time but yeah you you couldn't really you you weren't really allowed to go meet other teammates or or go to like different events like that kind of situation so it was a bit annoying but also it's 
you had to do what you, you had to do. So you couldn't go to see any of the other events then? Well, you could, like, you you weren't really allowed to go to different villages um, unless it was, like, some kind of special thing. Um, so you had three villages where you had one in Beijing in the town that was more for, like, the ice skating and stuff like that, all the ice events. And then you had one that was roughly about two hours away that was then for, like, all the skiers and stuff. And then we were in the biggest one that had like the biathlon, the snow, all the snowboarding, all the skiing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so when, when you wanted to go somewhere, you couldn't really go anywhere because there was no way of getting there. So you kind of like just, you, you blocked in basically. Yeah. And you could like, you, you were allowed to go to the events at your, at your village basically, but you weren't, really allowed to go from our village to the one in beijing center and go watch the ice skating or whatever yeah because it was just you had to be very careful so when you went out for your first event what was that feeling like where you was there like a moment of just like oh my fucking god i'm at the olympics representing you know great britain was there anything like that um well i had a shit i had a proper bad trading day the day before so i was like oh i don't like i wasn't racing very well and and all this and then when it comes to like quality i was like i was bricking it i was proper bricking it because you just know that like for a normal world cup you know that people are watching but not that many but for the olympics you know that everybody is watching you and everybody can like see what you do so i was i was absolutely bricking it like i it's like this is how mad the olympics is like so i said my dad was like oh have you got any guests coming on i was like yeah i've got this olympian hugh nightingale he went is he the guy who does a snowboard cross i was like yeah i was like how do you know that and he was like oh what i watched that event i love that one i was like it's just like the people you least expect to watch those events that you know will watch him because obviously the Olympics is massive. And like for snowboard cross as well, it's not really known over the time that the Olympics isn't on. But when it when it comes to the Olympics, everybody goes, Oh yeah, I know snowboard cross. It's one of my favourite event, events to watch and everybody like knows about it and loves it. So it's it's great to to represent Team G B for that. Yeah. So the after the first race what do, like what do you do after a race I, like you know these events like because obviously you're waiting to see if you qualified and all that sort of stuff so what do you do in that sort of in between stage um so for the games basically there was only like 32 guys there so you knew you were, you were qualified but um at normal events it's kind of like a you, you like if you're close to not qualifying it's a lot of like nerves till everybody's come down and then to see if you've made it in or not and it's just like holding your thumbs and like hoping that somebody crashes but <laughs> like not not in a bad way but just like falls and yeah. doesn't hurt themselves or whatever so it's a lot of nerves until that point yeah it's it's such like a good sport to watch because like i remember watching it during the olympics and you just like you sat on the edge of your seat because they're like 
within t- like not even touching this like that close to each other and you're like how have they not collided yet and then all of a sudden there's like three of them on the floor and the guy who was like dead last by about four or five seconds has just <laughs> whizzed past them and won it like it's such a crazy yeah. event yeah and that like that's just part of the sport that you know that sometimes you can't there's nothing you can do about it because people can take you out you can be in first position and somebody can just take you out and that's just how it goes sometimes but yeah it's it, it gets pretty close sometimes in 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 our sport have you ever had any like bad injuries as a result of snowboard cross um to, to be honest I'm, I'm pretty pretty clean uh when it comes to injuries in snowboard cross i've had a couple just like snowboarding in general but nothing nothing in snowboard cross so um it's pretty pretty good to be sure you must be one of the lucky ones then because like some of the yeah. falls that you see are ridiculous yeah there's uh, uh there's not a lot of people that are in the sport that haven't had a pretty big crash well, i've i've had big crashes um there's no doubt about that but i've never had like something that was injury injury worthy basically this is what one thing I was interested in as well, because obviously the the way the sport is, it's obviously being able to go as fast as possible, being able to produce the most force possible and use your momentum. So is there like a weight specification that they ideally want you at to be able to race? Um, it, it depends on what kind of rider you are, because you have some guys that are quite like a lot skinnier than other guys, but they can because they're a bit lighter they're like a lot faster in starts and all of that compared to the heavier guys so for me i want to be like around 95 kilos around that um weight limit basically um but then you get some guys who are like 80 85 so there's not there's not like a definite weight size that you really want to hit it depends so, on yeah. it probably depends on your body type and everything doesn't it yeah and if if you're if you're fast out the start it probably means that you're a light guy and all of this but then it doesn't help you as much further down on the course but then if you're a heavier guy you may not be as quick in the start but then you may like catch up a lot you'll get a lot more speed and catch up the other guys a lot faster so at what point during your sort of well short career as it's been if, did you sort of start incorporating like strength you know like s and c and sort of really dialing in your nutrition and stuff like that because i feel like some people they either leave it really late or they do it very early and get on top of it yeah for me i was probably um i did like some fitness stuff when i was 16 17 but I didn't really know what I was doing at that point. Um, and then when I was, I would say about 18 until now, um, I've pro- I've been um, on point with all the fitness stuff. Um, so yeah, now, now I'm in the gym, what, six times, a, six times a week. So Jesus. it gets, uh, gets a lot. Yeah. That's quite intense. So what's, do you have a coach for S and C stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a guy that um, does all my S and C stuff, and then um, I've got my snowboarding coach. So, I've, yeah, so it's a pretty so, decent like team. 
from because I'm from like a SNC background, like did it at uni and worked in like rugby and football and stuff. Um, so I'm interested in like what sort of stuff are they getting you doing during your your training? Um, so for us, it's a lot of like we have to be very fle flexible. So there's a lot of like flexibility work and stuff like that, and and our main focus basically is like leg strength and core strength because we to like hold the the turns and do all these big stuff you, you need a very tense core um and then yeah legs you just need the power basically but then you also have like your jumping ability because you have to be like springy and like quick to get away from the floor um so we do a lot of like quick quick feet stuff a lot of jumping um a lot of balance as well so there's it's kind of a bit of everything yeah that we have to do the flexibility wasn't something i thought would be major like i get you know you need obviously you need a decent amount of mobility but i didn't think the like the flexibility side of stuff would be that big i'm quite intrigued by yeah that. because you because in snowball cross you have to be like bent a lot of the time with your legs and all of this and uh, if you're not if your hips are tight or if you've not got good flexibility in your hips you just can't get low and get the kind of like draft if you need um when you're behind people or going over features you don't want to be tall over features you want to be low and compact and stuff like that so flexibility is a very important part that you don't really you wouldn't really think, oh, snowboarding, flexibility, but it, you, you definitely do need it. Yeah. So where's the best place you've competed over over your career? Because you've been to, obviously, Beijing, Austria, places all over Europe. Like, um, I'd say Beijing was definitely special, but um, I, I don't know where the I would love. I'd love to have a race in the UK, but I don't <laughs> think that'll ever. That I don't think that'll ever take place. But um, probably in Austria, a place called Reiterraum. It's always a great event. It's like a a man-made, like a a course that is made out of dirt. So when it snows, you can like do a lot of things with it. And that is always a, a good race. Big, big, big course, big features, and all that. Yeah. Because there's so many good spots in Europe, but one thing that I've found interesting recently, there's a lot of places I didn't know you could actually like ski and snowboard, like Poland, you can do it. And we used yeah. to go to a place in Bulgaria that was like one of the cheapest in Europe to go to. And it's like the, for, for what you pay, it's not like it's pretty good. You know, you know, it's yeah. like you get everything out of it that you'd need kind of thing. So. Have you ever, obviously you go and do camps here and you go and compete here, there and everywhere, but do you ever just go on like a holiday with mates and just go snowboarding or is it always just the competition side of it? Uh, well, the winter, the winter is kind of tough because you don't really have that much time to go on holiday um, because you're always training and it's, and you, you may have like a two week period where you can go away, but you kind of have to spend that two week period in the gym or um or just snowboarding for fun so i've not 
I don't really have like a mate's holiday for for snowboarding. But then, you know, if I want to ride with some of my mates, I just go outside and yeah, that's so go, right. go, 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 go in my hometown. So it's not, it's not like I'm not having um, a day with my mates, but I've not really gone to a different country and yeah, rode with my mates kind of. Have you ever competed in like New Zealand and stuff? Because obviously here it, at the minute it's summer while it's winter in Europe and of the, you'll switch it around or do you just take like a full summer off season? Yeah, we, so I went to New Zealand couple, like four or five years ago. We had junior worlds there. And to to be honest, I kind of forgot about New Zealand, but that was, that was a, a special place to, to ride. Yeah, that was probably one of the coolest places I've ever ridden. So where we had junior worlds there. Whereabouts was it in New Zealand? Uh, Kadrona. I'll note that because we're looking for, we, cause we moved here like six months ago and we were like, we want to go like snowboarding and skiing while we're here. So it's like, we, we were like obviously looking at New Zealand, but we didn't know where. So I'll, I'll note that one. Yeah. And like the, the place that it's at, it's this, it's at this like massive lake and stuff and it's the scenery is just amazing. And then you go snowboarding and it's just super cool. Yeah. It's from what I've heard from people, it's one of the, maddest places to go the the south island yeah. of new zealand like the hikes you can do obviously the snowboarding the skiing all that's like there's just endless endless things you can go and do there like it looks crazy yeah yeah i'd love to, i'd love to go back to snowboard but it's have yeah to, have to wait and see see what the schedule allows yeah what what have you got coming up in sort of the next few months then um so the next month, so I've basically got another week off, basically. And then it's, I've got, I go straight to Georgia for the World Championships and then go to Spain, Sierra Nevada, straight after that. Then go to Switzerland, straight after that. And then I've got two or three days off and then I'm off to Canada for the last race of the season. So this is probably something a lot of people would be interested in knowing. So how is this all funded is this funded by gp gb snow sport or do you have sponsors or what is it yeah so um i'm basically so gb snow sports is a big help with this um so they basically pay for a lot of my um stuff so travel and everything basically and then the national lottery also helps me just live my life so that's where it basically all comes from and then we have and then you have sponsors that um, help you out on the way. Do you, so is there much like is there much in terms of prize money for these like you know the World Cups and stuff like that? Yeah, you you get I think you get prize money up to about eighth. I think it is. Um, so if you come first, you you get uh, I think it's about uh, ten thousand Swiss francs or something like that. I mean that's so not it's, bad. It's not bad. For so if you're winning it. If if you're winning like three four races a year, you set mate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Because <laughs> so, so obviously with GB Snow Sport sort of helping with, out with everything, do they sort of come to you and go, "We want you to compete at this event and this event," or is it you that decides that? Um. So 
for us, the World Cups are the like main focus. So if we we will always go to all the World Cups and stuff like that, and then we may put a Europa Cup in there if if we just want to practice or whatever. But they never come to us and say, "Oh, you have to, you have to do this for social media or whatever." There's nothing really that we get told to do by them. Like they may ask us if we could come to the the Brits in Scotland or whatever, but that's that's about it. That's pretty mad that they don't ask much because usually it's always there's the strings attached to things like doing yeah because like you see so. Probably a good example of it is um, you look at the for, like Formula One or like Premier League football teams at the minute. There's always they're always bringing stuff out on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok, and they're getting drivers or players to do these weird challenges. You know that are trending at whatever given time. It's quite surprising that they're not using that for you lot. You know to sort of not just bring exposure to them, but bring exposure to you because that would obviously bring in more yeah. sponsors and what have you. Yeah, it's but it's also a hard thing because not all athletes are in the UK. That's also a, like a thing that um, we have with snow sports is a lot of athletes are either from or have lived in France for a lot of the time or come from America where you can snowboard for a season, not like in the UK where it's you can't really snowboard. So it's hard to get all the athletes back to do all that kind of stuff but maybe 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 this summer they'll they'll change their minds and <laughs> you'll be regretting that see one. What, see, yeah see what other people are doing and but yeah we'll have to have to wait and see yeah so in terms of like the off season what what do you do do you have like another sport that you're interested in do you have hobbies that you like to go and do um so last last year was um i was basically still working um because um it was the first year of world cup and i've never it it went quite fast to it so this year will be the first year where i'm getting paid with everything so i probably will just be training twice a day through summer and uh just living the life basically but i do a lot of I do a lot of uh, mountain biking, road biking, so I really enjoy that. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty good fun. I mean, you, you're in the place for it, mate. I remember when I went to Austria. Oh, when was it now? It was five years ago, and we went to Hallstatt for. We camped on the lake there for like two days, mate. It's just the most. Austria is one of the most ridiculous places I've ever been to. Like everything's just picturesque. It's a, it, I think it's sometimes a bit underrated. Yeah. Like you sometimes forget about how good Austria actually is. And like the lakes up on the mountains are just incredible. And the view that you get up there is amazing. Hallstatt is insane, mate. Like the, the way you get there, you get to so the train station is across the lake from the actual town. So you have to get a boat. Once you get off the train, you, yeah. then, get, you then wait for a boat to come over and get you. And then when you're there, there's like, diving boards into the lake and all that sort of stuff it was just like something out of a film and we were like i just don't want to leave don't want to go home yeah that is a it's a pretty good place to be fair and you've you've got so like you don't have um like any oceans nearby but 
the lakes that we have and and stuff like that is just something you you won't get anywhere else yeah we so when we were in austria because of the way you get to Hallstatt, it's like we had to get a train then a train then a train then a train and we missed one of them and basically we got off at the wrong stop and then we had to get to the next stop that was like 10 kilometers away and we'd made these like so we used to like skate like a lot and we basically cut out old boards into little like fishtail boards so that we could put them on our bags and skate with them wherever we needed to go we ended up having to hitchhike through the, down this like freeway <laughs> and we were like what the fuck are we doing and then so we got some woman to give us a lift and we ended up camping on this side of like side of a hill in a farmer's field on the side of a railway track and it's just everything we did there we were like this could this place could just be in a movie every like literally everything yeah it's for, for, for me i think it's one of us what is is one of the best countries out there for, for scenery wise and all of that kind of stuff because it is so picturesque the people so. are dead nice as well like the woman who picked us up was just like just more friendly didn't really ask any questions just was like where do you want to go like no no yeah. strings attached and it's like go do that in england people like people just be beeping their own and going just fuck off will you yeah yeah everybody is quite nice here and i guess i guess you're in the middle of nowhere so so they were like these guys <laughs> yeah. like, i'm sure i'm sure they're not supposed to be here so honestly mate it, nice. like, it, it was wild that was so then for in terms of training like you said you train you're in the gym six days a week and then in the off season you're doing doubles so in terms of on the slopes what are you doing for that side of things because obviously you're not just doing runs constantly there's different things you will be doing i'd imagine yeah so we because in snowball cross we always need a like a track where we can train basically so we may have we may go to france where there may not be a track for for a couple of days so we'll do a lot of a lot of carving or we'll be doing some jumps or we'll be doing um just like in summer it'll be more carving and jumps and just having a bit of fun doing a bit of freestyle just to get back into everything um but then mostly we'll be on track when when we're on a training camp basically yeah the so are you always at the same place are they like moving you around so you've got different courses and stuff like that or is it like just always the same uh a lot of the time it's the same because a lot of places the the, the ski resort will build the same course or not the exact same course but they'll build a course there and you'll know oh, i'll be going there next year or whatever but this year was the first time that some of the glaciers had to close because of the snow conditions so then we went to chile for about 10 days to train there and there was a track there so that was a great experience as well Mate, I bet it's but, amazing down there yeah it was that that was also like a, a crazy place to ride like four thousand meters and you're just like on a volcano riding a snowboard that's wild so mental when you you said last year you were still working and obviously this year is your first year where you're technically pro so what was the job you were doing last year um i was basically like just cutting grass 
and no like way. cutting the hedges all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, because I, I I didn't want to get like a job that was too heavy or like I didn't like I wanted to focus on the gym a lot more than work basically. So I know this guy in the village that um, happily took me along. So he he said like, oh yeah, if you if you ever have to go anywhere, just let me know and you can go and stuff like that. And he's he was like a big supporter of like my snowboard career as well. So I I was like, oh yeah, can I help you guys? And then did did some grass cutting, did some edge cutting and stuff like that. So it's so was this guy like a family friend or something? Like to be able to go. You know, if you ever just need to leave for a tournament, just go and do it. Pretty, you know, pretty selfless of the guy to just let you go and do that. Yeah, he's 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 one of my like one of my, some of my parents' friends. Um, so that was kind of like a helping thing. But um, yeah, he's he's a really nice guy, and it's definitely definitely helped me to become like a professional snowboarder for what he did for me. So. What was it like the trans? So when you the you know when you quit your job and then the transition into full time snowboarding, what? How did you feel when you made that transition? Was it like a? I can imagine it was probably like excitement. It's like, it's kind of, it's it's such a relief because you know, like for snow for for any professional athlete, you're a bit like you 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 want to get money for what you're doing as a, in the sport. So when so when the first time they said, "Oh yeah, you you'll be getting um, funding this year and you'll be getting money," it was like it's just like big weight off my chest, basically. That you don't have to really think about that side anymore. I bet, so I bet it, it was, was like, but I bet it just didn't feel real, like to be no. told that that's what you can now do full time for a living is probably crazy. Yeah, and like even as a kid, you. You know, when you when you really like a sport, you're like, oh yeah, I really want to do this. But and then when it actually comes true, it's just like, like it's kind of it's it's a bit like emotional as well because you're like, oh, I've been working all my life. It's <laughs> I've been training so hard, and then when it actually comes true, it's it's just surreal. Yeah. For the time for that time, so it's so what's great? What's the goal for the next few years? Obviously, you, the Olympics will become around in twenty twenty six, so you've got a bit of time between now and then. So, what what do you want to do between then? Um, I just want to become trying to become best snowboarder that I can, pretty much. And it's not I want to I want to do quite well in the sport, and hopefully, until Cortina twenty twenty six, I can um, be fighting for a medal at that time. So that's that's where I'm kind of aiming at the moment um, and then see how it goes till then. We're at the Olympics just gone, did, did you go into it thinking like there's a possibility of a medal or were you just like, I'm, I just want to enjoy this for what it is? Um, so for the singles, I knew that I wouldn't be getting, it would be very, it'd be very unlikely for me to get a medal at, at the singles event. But then with the team event i thought if i if i ride well and i can i can do quite well charlotte the girl that i race with she can like pretty much um help me out, like get me out of the bag like can get me a medal 
So I was kind just, of like, I was just banking like, on her. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of banking on her quite a fair bit, to be fair. So, so then I was like, oh, I just need to ride well. She can pick up a load of time, and then there may be a chance for a medal. But then it, it was a bit harder than than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so, what what do you do for the mix? Is it like? Like, is it both your times put together? Because I didn't watch that one. Is it both your times put together or is it like you, you like, it's like a, I don't know, like a, would you say relay or what? Yeah. So it's basically like the guys will go for, the guys always go first and then the, the women. So then we will do a normal heat and get to the bottom. And then the time difference, if, if the first guy's gone through and I'm a second behind, then there'll be a, a 10 minute, five minute between our gate dropping and the women's gate dropping. And then they'll go riders ready attention. And then the first person that went through the finish gate will drop. And then the second person and then the third person and then the fourth person. Um, so then it's basically like the keep a the normal gap. race for the men. Yeah. And then it's a normal race for the men. And then it's kind of like a catch up thing for the women. That's interesting that I didn't think it I thought it'd just be like kind of you go, then they go and you just put your times together. But I guess it makes it a bit more interesting, doesn't it, that like having to play catch up on someone? Yeah, it's like it was it was to watch it was like proper intense because like you know she can you you can like catch up. So it was getting it was it was good to watch. But it used to be it used to be like when when you when the first person goes through the gate uh, goes through the finish their gate at the top will drop straight away so um so but then that got a bit dangerous because if somebody crashed and then you've got four other people like pelting it down and you, like there's people helping this guy up or whatever on a turn and you're like oh it became a bit too dangerous at that point yeah bloody so hell. then that's when they changed it yeah i didn't think of that i that's what i thought they would have done maybe like you know you get to the bottom the gate opens but yeah i didn't think the fact that maybe there's been a collision of two people and they're just like lay flat out someone's just darting yeah, down that, past it, him. It, it, yeah so that that's when they like changed the rules where it became how it is now yeah so when Obviously, your career can go on as a snowboarder till what? It's usually like thirties, isn't it? In snowboard cross, it's probably a bit later. You could, I think, forty is like if you if you're doing it with forty still, you're very you're very healthy and very good in it. But after forty, I'm a bit like, what's the point? <laughs> your, your body's kind of broken at that point. Yeah. Yeah, if if yeah, if you if you get to forty and you can still ride snowboard cross with no pain or whatsoever, you you've had a you've had a decent career. So <laughs> So do you is there anything you would like say looking into the future, is there anything you would like to do afterwards? Um I probably you see I would find it quite hard to go back into like a a normal, normal job. job. So I'll probably go into coaching. So I quite, I would quite like to do a bit of coaching when it's over. So I'll probably go into snowball cross coaching. Yeah, because a lot, then... a lot of people do their nine to fives as well as compete. 
And I find yeah. that baffling because the schedules that you you obviously have as athletes is like, you know, it's it's not it's it's more than a full time job. It's literally it's literally life, and to then yeah. try and fit in a you know nine hour shift at whatever job you're doing is crazy. Yeah, it gets a bit mad sometimes. Yeah, so obviously the because you said it's not a big sport outside of the Olympics. Like obviously, if you're into snowboarding, you might follow it, but. Is it hard? Does that make it hard to find sponsorship for for events and stuff? Yeah, and coming from coming from the UK, where it's not like a a winter country, basically, it's kind of like hard to get the sponsor, um, because if you, like if they don't see a beneficial, if they don't see anything beneficial out of it, it's it doesn't really help them unless they just really enjoy what you're doing and and that so it is quite hard sometimes to to find a sponsor in the uk yeah because i didn't realize that obviously a lot of sponsors will go for competitors of the same nationality so if the german yeah. for a german athlete because obviously that helps promote them so yeah there's probably not many uk brands involved with anything is there no and and like and the UK brands that are winter based are already kind of like helping with GB snow sports kind of thing. Um, but then like you'll, you may get some guys that want to like a winter sport athlete on their, you know, for their company or whatever. But then a lot of people would prefer the summer games because it's more likely that, you know, they get a lot more help by that. Would you ever consider doing like the the freestyle, like the half pipe stuff, or anything like that? Nah, that's too scary for me. <laughs> like uh, darting down a mountain at eighty kilometers an hour, <laughs> you saying it's too scary for you? Like half pipe, half pipe, I I would have no chance, and I don't have the balls to do that. That like half pipe for me is the gnarliest thing ever. I could. Like I could get down a, a like a freestyle course, but I couldn't. I couldn't do like quads or triples, what like what they do. So I remember I went to um, a place in New Hampshire uh, snowboarding when when I was like thirteen, and I remember going. So we got in the chairlift, and it go went over the half pipe, and obviously you see them on TV, and you're like, it looks pretty big, but in person, it's the most daunting. Like horrifying thing you've ever seen like you can just imagine if you even attempted to air out of it you're just going off yeah. the side like falling into the trees like, i've been in a couple of half pipes but to get like big air is like, it's so astonishing yeah. and it was it was mad a few years ago when they was it at aspen they added like the spine to the two half pipes with a spine yeah that's scary that is to be able to to be able to create the apex perfect to land on the other side with that amount of air is just ridiculous yeah like you you have to have a couple of things loose in your head to to, <laughs> to do that kind of stuff so i'm guessing you don't then no <laughs> no no never <laughs> so obviously now you so when the spot so you've been told by gb snowsport that you can basically do this as a full-time job Obviously, that's not guaranteed year on year. So, what sort of criteria do, do you have to like meet to be able to, you know, carry on with them? Um, so it's 
so you basically have like different levels of um of funding basically so i'm on like the lowest one at the moment and then you can go up all to like i think a b c d i think d is the lowest and then you can get onto a so i'm on d and that is like and then that the the higher you you get up the more i guess um funding you'll get but this year i think um i don't really have to hit any like specific criteria because a lot of the time it's over a four year like block because of the games because a lot of the time um the results go off games and how um how much funding you get will go off a four year block um so this year i think i'm all right for, for whatever i do yeah. i hope um but then maybe come next year they may say oh yeah you need to hit this kind of criteria or you have to do well at this event or stuff like that i guess it's quite good to do it that way because i can imagine if you know they go oh you can do this full time but we need you to do this this and this straight away there's probably anxiety and that all that pressure on some people obviously would just make them fold so then yeah it, the potential is gone, like sort of thing yeah and even in a like a professional sport you, you like a lot of like you can you'll go to bed and you'll be going like oh sh shit like i've not done well this year like how, how am i gonna get funding for next year what am i gonna do and that's why that's why like Professional sports are like some of the hardest jobs because it's just a lot of the time it's just like thinking about stuff that you don't really want to think about. And it's kind of like you can, it's that's why there's so many people in sports that get depression and stuff like that because it's such a like mental game to, to, to not think of all this, these different things that go on that it gets proper hard sometimes. It's all consuming. Like the, you, you can't not live and breathe it. Yeah, like you, you either have to be. It's either one hundred percent or not at or all. None, pretty much. Yeah, like you can't, you can't fifty fifty it because then there's no point. Yeah, it, what fascinates me as well with some athletes is that you know when they reach the pinnacle, and then because they've reached the pinnacle, that thing they've been working their entire life towards, and then all of a sudden they're there, and they're like, what now? Like they literally yeah. don't know what to do with themselves because their entire life, maybe maybe been twenty, twenty five, thirty years, has been focused towards that goal, and then all of a sudden they're like, "I don't know what to do now because I've just done what I've always wanted to do." Yeah, like for for when you hit that goal, I think the it's it, it's amazing for however long, but then when you actually like think about it, like shit, I've I've kind of finished my career like what do I, what do i do now and like some people will say oh some people will try and do the same again and become i guess the greatest of the sport yeah but then some people just don't know what to do and then that becomes an issue i guess that's now why some people have started you see a lot of athletes now where they start creating careers alongside the like being an athlete because they sort of people are obviously starting to realize now that you can't just be that one thing you need to have like yeah. your, your thing for later but obviously like for you you're 20 21 like you got yeah. fucking years mate <laughs> you, yeah you've got years 
yeah, I've 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 got quite a I've got quite a good career in front of me if it if it all goes well. So I've I, I'm not thinking about something else yet, but I'm sure like in a, come say what five, six, seven years, I, I may be thinking about oh get my get my foot in this thing or whatever. So but yeah, at the moment I'm just living it, just enjoying it. So obviously. You get into you get obviously you're getting through the season and you've got what three events left this year was it? So what? Uh, four basic four yeah. Four. So what? What do you want to? What are you sort of setting yourself as like the goal for these events? Um. So we got world champs in two weeks, um, and I'd love to do quite well in world champs. I'd love to get like a a top eight maybe. It's quite a far shout, but I think I think it could be possible. So I would quite like to get a top eight, and then if 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 we do quite well for the team event, I think there's there's definitely a medal for the team event. So I'm quite um, happy for that, and I de- <laughs> and I definitely and it's not as far fetched as as last year. So um, so I definitely believe that can happen. So what? And what, then just just race well. I think that's that's what I really want to do. What's your preferred event? The is it the the team or the singles event? It's, it's I prefer. It's kind of the same, like because it's the same kind of situation. Like you, for the individual, it's a lot more like praising for yourself. But for the team event, it's also good to like because snowboarding is such a, a lone sport, it's good to have a victory for the team. <laughs> That's also kind of quite nice. So I wouldn't say that I've got a preferred event, but I really enjoy both. Yeah. So I'll just ask you one final question and then I'll, I'll let you go because it's the morning for you. So you probably want to go out and get snowboarding. So um, last question is, how would you like to be remembered? Um, I'd love to be remembered in the UK is like Hugh Nightingale, the snowball cross athlete. I'd love, I'd love for the sport to become a lot bigger in the UK as well. Um, and, and for me, I just want to, um, also get known as like the guy who just loved snowboarding. Cause I genuinely do just love to snowboard. I, I don't care if it's bad weather or, or good weather. I just love to get out on a snowboard. Yeah. Well, mate, I appreciate you coming on and all the best with the rest of the season. So thanks for your time, mate. Thank you, everyone who made it to the very end of the podcast. It's a really good one, this one. It was just like, yeah, just a nice chat with a nice lad um, about the career he's got ahead, the career he's had so far. So I hope you all liked it. I'm hoping to get a few more olympians and athletes on in the near future which will which will be good from all sorts of events i don't just want you know your typical athletes like footballers and what have you i want to get these sports which go unrecognized um other than at the olympics and sort of bring light to them and bring uh, these people to sort of the mainstream which would be good um if i can help in any which way that I can. So yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, subscribe, share with anyone who may be interested and I will see you next week for episode 18. Thank you.